When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of This is the Jet Life. Are you kidding me, folks? The New York Jets are three and two. After beating the Miami Dolphins at home 40-17. to This is not a drill. The Jets are 3-2. They're in second place in the AFC East and just beat the Miami Dolphins at home. Their first win at home of the season. Beating a division rival. Ending all sorts of horrible streaks against the Dolphins. Against the AFC East. Putting up that big number against a defense that's heralded as being one of the better defenses in the league. One of the better ones we're going to go up against. We saw stars abound for the Jets. Young guys. Veterans. All over the place, big play from the guys, and a huge fourth quarter again as the Jets lead the NFL in fourth quarter scoring at 11.6 points per game through five. This is something that in 2019 with Adam Gase, the Jets couldn't do anything of. They were the worst fourth quarter scoring team, and now they're finding a way to get it done. I am to the moon and back with this team right now. I don't know if it's sustainable. I don't know if they're going to end, you know, three and 14, if they're going to end 13 and four. The story of this season has not been completed yet, but we got through the first quarter of the year, 2-2, two and two, felt really good about that. Then we go up against our first AFC East opponent, the Dolphins. I don't care if we had some good luck on our side. We've had our, our fair share of issues over the years and had to try to overcome it. In many cases, we're not able to. This time, the Jets took advantage of a Miami Dolphins team that was depleted in a few areas and absolutely smoked them. We're 3-2, and two, and this is going to be a fun podcast. I am uh, stoked to get into it. We're going to do our usual segments positives, negatives. We're going to try to find some negatives just to, you know, keep things balanced and fair. Overall, we're going to talk father time. We're going to do an AFC East check-in, then talk offense, defense, special teams, do a what's on tap, talk Packers preview for next week, do a prediction there, close this thing out. Uh, We're going to do audio only today. I had Katie last week. Luckily, this week's scheduling didn't work out perfectly fine. Just doing it here. I said, you know what, let me go to the bread and butter where I'm comfortable. I got my audio system, got Got my station at my computer. I don't do it in that big fancy setup you see on YouTube um, when I'm just recording a lot. I do it at my gaming computer in a corner, and I just get freaking focused on the New York Jets. And that's what we're going to do today. Because I've been doing this podcast for a long time, and we don't get to do a lot like this. Really any. This is uh, uncharted territory in some respects. But before I do, I need to remind you to rate review subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found follow me on twitter at jets underscore dan the podcast title is gangrene nation podcast the series title is this is the jet life you can also follow me or subscribe on this is the jet life youtube channel you're going to see some of the podcasts will be up there it's not going to be every single one it's going to be an as available type of thing i think it's fun to have them up there there's definitely some some definitely some advantages to it to having like the visual to having Katie paycheck on the uh, 
on the other end to have somebody to talk to, to get her insights, to get her thoughts and stuff and, and break it up a little bit. So it's not just me, but then the episodes come out a little bit quicker when I just record them here. I'm a little bit more comfortable doing my thing. Don't have to worry about the visuals. I'm wearing PJs right now. Feeling freaking good. Drinking some beer. Mm. It'll be, it'll be a little bit of both. Some video, some audio. I'll let you guys know on Twitter what the scoop is going to be for each week. Keep you guys posted if there's going to be a delay. But yeah, we got to get into this freaking podcast. Let's talk New York Jets and let's talk positives of this team. And there's plenty of them. And we're going to start with the three and two record because currently that's a playoff record. The Jets would be the first wild card team in with a three and two record. They would absolutely be in the playoffs right now. And they're close to being in the division driver's seat. They're only a game back. We got a a very tough matchup coming up for the Bills this week. Jets have a tough one of their own, but we're undefeated in the division. They're not. If we can pull a win off, they lose to the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Don't even get me started on next week's podcast because that would be another level that I don't even know if I can get to. I'm already at, like, peak level, and we're 3-2. and Five games into the season, it's like we just beat Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins. It's not the Super Bowl, but sometimes... Sometimes you just need something like this. Zach Wilson is another positive because I've been a little critical of him in his play, and I can still remain in that camp because I still haven't seen a ton from him to say that he's definite franchise quarterback of the future. But what he's doing in this game is he's winning in a new way. He's winning as a game manager style quarterback. After having that fourth quarter comeback last week where he just tore it up, you know, went like 10 for 12 in the fourth quarter and found the way to score against the Steelers and win the game. This week, he didn't have to do that. The Jets were able to beat Skylar Thompson with the running game, with good defense, and all we really needed from him was a clean game, don't take too many sacks, no turnovers, decent completion percentage. He was able to do that. You know, 210 total yards in this game. If you take out that Brees Hall 80 yarder, he had 130 yards. It's not a massive game, but he threw 66%. He was only sacked two times, no turnovers. The guy had a 99 quarterback rating, doing what he had to do to win the game. And that's what you need from him because this team is going to find a way to be successful. We're seeing that because they have enough good pieces around on offense, on defense, playmakers, offensive line, trenches, you name it. We've got enough good coaching. We've seen that. The special teams unit is strong. They're going to find ways to win in spite of Zach, with him or without him. It's kind of like it's kind of like uh, the Jets-Mark Sanchez seasons, right? Those teams were going to be good no matter what. Zach Wilson could be on those teams. Joe Flacco could have been the quarterback. Josh McCown. Those teams were going to be successful because the roster was built in a great way. This team is going to be successful, whether it's Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, Mike White. They're going to find some success. They're going to be able to beat guys like Skylar Thompson. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable. We don't know. But to see Zach Wilson come out and play a game manager style quarterback and do what he needs to do to win the game, that is everything we need to see from him because we just don't want him to lose it right now if everybody else around him is balling out. It doesn't have to be him. It does not have to be the Zach Wilson show. We all want to see it. We all know that he's the guy that's going to expedite the franchise the fastest. But right now, we're winning games. And we're doing it with him just taking kind of like a wait-and-see approach, specifically in this game, letting the other guys do it, carry the load. Freaking awesome. The rookie class, can't say enough about it. We've seen Garrett Wilson have his breakout games. We've seen Sauce Gardner play great all year, an even better game this week. Brees Hall, this was his coming-out party. Jermaine Johnson's made some big plays. I mean, it is... We've talked about it every single week. I think the positives of every single week has been, well, look at this rookie class. Well, look at this rookie class. It's not just one week. It's not a good game here and there. It's an entire body of work from an entire group of guys. This is one of those draft classes we're going to look back on in five years and be like, yep, 
bang, right there. That's when the Jets got right. Joe Douglas did it right there. You can look at the Seahawks roster of like 2013 or 14, one of those draft classes that just built the whole thing, and you could just say, boom, that was it. That's when the team got good. The Jets are there, and we're seeing it. Another positive is the offensive line is making it work. Dwayne Brown in and out. George Fant in and out. Nobakai Becton, AVT playing any position on the offensive line except for center. Max Mitchell, rookie starting. Other guys, Nate Herbig, you name it, doesn't matter. They're finding a way to make it work. Only two sacks in this game against Zach Wilson. You would think that uh, with what they're doing, moving these guys around the line, with no chemistry between the players, that there would be a lot more issues. Miscommunications, breakdowns, there's none. Things are working great on there. Not a lot of penalties. They're making it work. The coaching is really strong. We're seeing some creativity, but not too much. We're seeing them utilize players like Brees Hall, who maybe they didn't rely on and lean on in weeks one through four. But then this week they say, this is his game. He's playing well. We're going to lean on him. Some days it's funnel the ball to Garrett Garrett Wilson. Other days it's, all right, let's run it here. Other days, maybe we're going to throw 60 times. The Jets are doing what they have to do to stay competitive, stay in these games and win. You're seeing a lot from the coaching staff. I know Jeff Albrecht's been criticized a lot for the rotation he's running on that defensive line. He actually gave the defensive line a little bit more, the the better players, a higher snap percentage, like Quinn Williams around 70%, which is higher than he's usually been this year. So good to see that from him. Michael Floor looks like an awesome offensive coordinator with all these new pieces. He's having fun. And honestly, if the Jets keep it up, we're going to have to be training people behind Michael Floor because he will be scooped up for a head coaching job if the Jets keep this up. Absolutely, within the next two years, this is the type of thing that people look around the league and say, it's a football family, the LaFleurs, an offensive mind. He got these young players, got the most out of them. We want a guy like him. So Michael Floor's doing it right now. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but he's a guy that we could potentially lose if he keeps playing like this, and that's all right. That's what good teams do. And you know what? We fill his spot with somebody else good that was learning under him, and Robert Sala and his coaching tree begins. We've got our history going into the books of the NFL. And lastly, the biggest thing for me, honestly, is that the running game is proving to be a legitimate threat right now. Not just a couple nice backs. Oh, Brees Hall can do a lot. Michael Carter's a really nice number two. No, this is like a legitimate rushing attack where Brees Hall is scary as hell to other teams. He had 197 scrimmage yards in this game. Michael Carter had two touchdowns. They just had five rushing touchdowns in this game. They needed to do nothing through the air. No defensive touchdowns. Just five, 35 points built through running the football. Another team see this and they're like, shit, okay, we got to make sure we stop the run. But that's going to open up guys like Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. We have weapons all over the field, and it's not one of those stop the Jets run, beat the team, or stop the Jets pass and Zach Wilson, you're going to win. It's not a one-dimensional unit. This is becoming very versatile, and they're going to be able to win in different ways. Opponents won't know what to stop, what to key up on, and if they focus on one, we'll go to another. We got dogs out there. That's a lot of positives for this team. I am super stoked on what we saw. So that's my positives. A handful of them. There's plenty more. Plenty more players-specific results and things that we've seen from these guys that are awesome and positive. But that's like, you know, the base of it all. When you look at the negatives, yeah, there are a few. There's a couple reasons to be a little negative about the Jets right now. Zach Wilson hasn't had that big game. The passing game has been meh, specifically with him in there. We're not throwing 60 times with him like we were with Joe Flacco. We're throwing 21 times because that's how the Jets want to run this offense with Zach Wilson. Baby him a little bit. Let him be that game manager style quarterback. The only thing that would be negative is like, okay, so we can win some games and then we realize, you know, a couple years down the road or one year down the road, maybe even this year, that the style of quarterback that he's playing is actually technically holding us back. And while he's doing a good job, 
we won't make it to that Super Bowl legit contender level until we bring a better horse in. And, you know, that's still something that we'd have to talk about in the future. But at least he's not sucking. At least he's finding ways to win, and at least he's being flexible, versatile, and winning in new ways. He also had that rushing touchdown where you could see that grit and that grind from it's like, you know, we needed to score a touchdown there. He made sure we did. He took the hit. You love to see that from a guy, a little bit of competitive nature. So I don't want to be too negative on him. Other side, we've really only beaten Jacoby Brissett, Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, and Skylar Thompson. All of those guys are backup quarterbacks in the NFL. None of those guys at this point in their careers are starting caliber level. So we haven't actually beaten a really good quarterback yet. There hasn't been an amazing test. We've played Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Those are the two weeks that we lost. Those are the weeks that we look at our zone defense and say, ay, 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 this isn't really working. Then we play Skylar Thompson. We play Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, and Jacoby Brissett. And we say, oh, you know what? This defense actually isn't so horrible. It's actually working all right, even though we gave up 30 points to Jacoby Brissett. So until we see us play well, good defense against a good quarterback, this upcoming week against the Packers would be a great opportunity. You know, the Giants just had a good game against the Packers. Maybe the Jets can too. That would be the type of thing we'd look at and say, all right, now it's not a bunch of no-names. It's not a bunch of backups. The Jets are doing it for real. So we need to see that real litmus test, that real gauge to see where the Jets are at. Because we were at first wondering, like, are we a sucky team or an okay team? Now we know we're an okay team. The question is, are we an okay team? Or are we a good team? Maybe even great. We're going to find that out as the year goes on. This team is only getting better. Another negative, and it's not really a negative, it's just more of a word of caution towards the New York Jets, is we can't get ahead of ourselves. We're 3-2. and two. We beat those quarterbacks we mentioned. We haven't seen a ton, a ton from Zach Wilson specifically. And this is new territory for a lot of these players. A lot of young guys, and it's very exciting right now, and everybody's fired up. But how quickly it comes back down to earth when you lose, you know, 40-17 to 17 yourselves. They just get blown out by the Packers. It's going to be an entirely different song from all of Jets Nation. The players, the fans, everything. Salah's going to hold us to and if like, we got to stay our course. We're getting better. Got to do our thing. But, like, we can't get ahead of ourselves. It's just 3-2. and two. There's a lot of season to go. 12 more regular season games and then hopefully some playoff games. And lastly, it's an uphill battle with Buffalo up there. Buffalo's in our division still. They're 4-1. and one. We haven't beaten them. If they beat us, they take this division. We're going to be fighting for wild cards, playing away games in the playoffs. It's not like we're right up there already, right? We're still doing our own battles. Patriots are hanging around. The Dolphins are waiting on Tua. They have the same record as us. We play them again in Miami next time. So there's a lot of stuff that can still kind of set the Jets back. Even if the Jets have a good season, they're not guaranteed to make the playoffs or be one of those, you know, final fringe teams because we've got some good teams in our own division some good teams in our own conference. Got to be rooting against the AFC. The AFC East, of course, got to root against all those teams. Got to root against the AFC teams when they play NFC teams. Start rooting for, like, the really bad teams to beat up on some of the good teams. It's like the first time in so long that we're in week six, and it's very important to monitor the league and make sure that the Jets' opponents that we need to lose are losing for playoff standing and seeding purposes. Like, how many years have we just been watching, like, it would be nice to see the Bills and Patriots and Dolphins lose, but it doesn't really matter because the Jets are in the basement of the division. Now it's like, all right, we need like the Jaguars or Titans to lose because only one of those teams get them in the division. We're going for a wild card spot. We can't have them in there. We've got to start rooting against teams like the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns. We can't let these teams get hot. we got to let the Jets get up there, stay up there, and keep the, uh, keep the opponents down. So a lot to monitor right now for the Jets within the entire NFL. It's making it a very fun season. So overall, kind of like the overall takeaways of the whole thing is this is as fun as it's been 
to be a Jets fan in such a long time. Not counting the offseason victories that we've had, it's been since 2015. You know, take out the draft, take out the free agent signings that have been very exciting in the moment. This is real football right now. And this is the first time that it's being done the right way. It's not artificially built, and this has sustained success written all over it. This isn't purchase Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Chris Ivory, and Ryan Fitzpatrick and see if you can win some games. This isn't buy Bart Scott and LaDainian Tomlinson, Braylon Edwards, and Santonio Holmes and see if you can win some games. This is draft an awesome team, win some games, and then eventually people are going to want to come play for you. Sign those guys, bring in some veterans, the icing on the top after you've already built your core and your nucleus, and the Jets are doing it. It's only been five games. I can't say whether or not the Jets are a legit playoff contender but I know that it's a legitimate question at this point in time. We have to wonder if they are. And I haven't been able to do that in the entire history of this podcast. For the first time in so long, the Jets are ahead of schedule. And this wasn't even the easy part of the schedule, right? We already played the entire AFC North and the Dolphins. This was by no means the easy part. The easy part comes second half of the year after the bye. We've got like some Lions, Jaguars, Bears games in there that's going to be a little bit easier than what we started at, we hope. And you look at like most pundits around the league, even the optimistic ones at this point probably had the Jets at one, two wins probably. In some cases, zero wins at this point. Still building the thing the right way, but like, hey, it's a really hard part of the schedule. We got three. This isn't that team. This isn't what people expected. This isn't that one and four. They're building it, but it's going to take a while. Tough schedule. This is a whole new Jets experience, and it's one hell of a ride. I'm glad we're all here for it. Yeah. So... That's what I think about the Jets. That's why I'm amped up. But we got to hear what my dad, David Burnham, thinks about this Jets team. Because you know he's excited. You know that he was there for Sushi Week partying with me. Oh, me, Dave, roommate Kyle. What a party that was. I've never seen three people feel like a party as much as that did. Mm. I felt like there were 50 people in the room yelling high fives, drinks going around, sushi. I mean, whew. It doesn't get much better than this. So this is what my dad thinks about this week's win against the Miami Dolphins in this week's Father Time. Written by my dad, David Burnham. Titled, What Did I Miss? Here we go. Three and two, and we just won the most important game in the last five years. With so many heroes, moments of success, and glory. I think it's important to note that big catches, runs, and throws were everywhere. Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Garrett Wilson had their catches and conversions, and Michael Carter had his touchdowns. These are contributions that add to the sum of the plays. Were they dominant yesterday? Probably not. Were they important? Absolutely. I'd like to give AVT one snap at center so we can say he's played every O-line position. Yesterday, AVT had zero penalties, zero pressures allowed, and zero sacks allowed playing right tackle on one week of preparation. He's played both guard and both tackle positions in the last six games. His PFF grade was a 79. This is mind-boggling and will be the cure of so many O-line issues for years to come. Brees Hall, of course, had a day for the ages. This is one we're going to remember. And Zach Wilson threw for 67% with a rushing touchdown, zero turnovers, and a 99 quarterback rating. He didn't try to be a hero. He did his job, and that is what I loved about his game yesterday. He didn't get sloppy or greedy or push. He played the game as he should have. An important contributor, other than Brees Hall, was his release. It was an average of 2.6 seconds. That's Brady's release time. Last week, it was a 3.3 seconds. He's getting rid of the ball, and when he does, he throws it on time with his accuracy very good. Another big step for Zach, he's becoming formidable. 
Carl Lawson had a sack and eight pressures. Quinton Williams had a sack and six pressures, all while being double teamed. And JFM had a sack and seven pressures. Our defense pressured the Miami quarterbacks 32 out of 36 dropbacks. This was against the team that just beat the Buffalo Bills. And we can win at Lambeau. Green Bay is tough on the passing game, so Brees will need another couple of long runs to the one-yard line this Sunday. So what did I miss? I missed a lot. It was a star-studded game, and Sundays are so much fun right now. This was such a fun game, such an important win, and more on the way. I think I say this every week. Look out, because we're just getting started. Go Jets. End scene. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What a father time. And I told him, I was like, this is... This is maybe my favorite father time ever because I'm so amped up, he's so amped up, and just to read it and hear his thoughts, I'm just like, yes, yes, all the way, yes. It's awesome. The first thing he says in this one that I really want to point out, and he said it when we were watching the game, he said, I think this is the most important game in the last five years. And this one, it was, I think, 17 to 19. The Jets were up by two, and the Dolphins were driving, eventually had that field goal opportunity that they missed. He goes, this is the most important game in the last five years. And I'm trying to think to myself, like, what's been more important? I mean, exciting was that week one Sam Darnold game, that week one Zach Wilson game. Maybe after the Jets won their first game against the Lions in Sam Darnold's rookie year, we were like, okay, is this real? What can we do there? But, like, never at this point in the season were we right in the playoff race against a team in our division slightly better than us to win at home here. I couldn't think of one. And they won it. So many heroes, so much success. He's absolutely right. He mentions those wide receivers that had quiet days, but they made an impact. Michael Carter as well. Not a huge day, but he got those touchdowns. We're going to talk about all those players coming up. Elijah Baratucker, we're going to talk about him. We talked about him, offensive player of the game last week. I can't believe he went to right tackle this week. He didn't even play right tackle in college. I mean, he played left tackle last week. That's a harder position technically. He played that some in college. Right tackle, not so much. Didn't matter. Didn't miss a beat. No pressures allowed. No sacks allowed. No penalties. Unreal that this person can do this. This doesn't happen in the NFL. You won't find another guy that's doing this. This is so underrated, so underappreciated. The whole league knows about Sauce Gardner. The whole league knows about Garrett Wilson. Nobody's talking about ABT. They need to because what he's doing is awesome. He let Brees Hall's day speak for itself. Something we're going to remember. He's also with me on the Zach Wilson. I love that. Yeah, game manager style quarterback. Do what you got to do to win. Be formidable. And he's right, get that ball out quick. 2.6 seconds, you get it out quick, that's a good good recipe for him. Holding on to the ball, trying to scamper around. I know everybody always talks like, Zach Wilson's best when he's rolling out, he's off schedule, the play breaks down. It's like, yeah, he had his five best throws last year in those situations, but overall his body of work is not the best when he's running around scrambling for his life trying to improvise. No, the best he plays when he takes a two, three, five, seven step drop, Gets the ball out quick, on time to these guys. Specifically what we have this year with these skill position players. Yeah, it's a, it's a good step for Zach to see this, for sure. Talking about those pressures, 32 pressures on 36 dropbacks, that's nuts. I know it's Skylar Thompson. I know it's his first game in the NFL coming out of Kansas State. Ooh, yeah, not so scary, but 32 out of 36 from this defensive line that we've been waiting for a breakout game like this? I wish we had more than two sacks. We could have had more than two sacks. But those guys played awesome. They deserve a lot of credit. My dad's absolutely right. We can beat the Packers. This is one of those games at the beginning of the year, you look at the, on the schedule and you're like, shit, that's a loss right there. Really tough game. Broncos, that's a loss. Now we're looking at it as the season's shaping up. It's like, those teams aren't as scary as they were. And we're scarier than anybody thought. This Jets team can absolutely win. 
So, yeah, he says it every week. We're just getting started. But he's absolutely right. This is a bunch of rookies, a bunch of young coaches, a bunch of guys that haven't played together much, offensive line that's still trying to figure out who's next to who, and we're finding success. Wait until these guys become wily veterans. Wait until these guys get really comfortable doing what they're doing. Wait until they've seen it all. Huh. That is going to be about as fun as this is. It's going to be awesome. So that is this week's Father Time by my dad, David Burnham. Thank you very much, Dad. Much appreciated. Before we go over to the AFC East check-in, then offense, defense, special teams, and Packers preview, we do have to take a quick commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Alrighty, and welcome back to This Is The Jet Life. Your New York Jets just crushed the Miami Dolphins, putting up a 40-burger, and now we have to check in on the rest of the AFC East. So the Jets win their game. They put an end to a 12-game AFC East losing streak. Glad to see that streak end. Let's not start it up again anytime soon. The Bills, first place in the division, they go to 4-1, and one, blowing out Kenny Pickett and the Steelers 38-3 in Orchard Park. They're 4-1, and one, they're in first place, but next week, they got a big game at Arrowhead against the 4-1 and one Chiefs. So, that game's at 425, right after the Jets. If somehow the Jets can pull out a win against the Packers, we're watching that game at 4-2. and two. The Jets are undefeated in the AFC East, beating the Dolphins as their only game. Bills lost to the Dolphins. If the Bills lose to the Chiefs, 425, we're all going to be tuned in watching that. There's a scenario where the Jets go into first place in the AFC East and hold pole position for the playoffs. Holy shit, that would be amazing. After coming off an Aaron Rodgers win, what a time to be alive that would be. But, obviously, the Bills have an opportunity to win that game, to prove that they're one of the most dominant teams in the league. They could be 5-1 and one beating the Chiefs, looking like Super Bowl all over them. And then it's like, all right, we're going to have to be a wild card team, or find a way to beat them in our head-to-heads. In second place, the Jets. They're 3-2. and two. We beat the Dolphins. 40 points scored. Only gave up 17. And, like I said, we're the only undefeated team in the division. Next week, the Jets play at Lambeau versus the 3-2 and two Packers. That is 1 p.m. Dolphins, they lost. They got big question marks at quarterback. And next week, they play at their home stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, against the 4-1 and one Vikings, who's a pretty good team. The Kirk Cousins experience is kind of weird. They're not to be penciled in for any automatic win, but we don't know if it's going to be Tua. Is he going to be able to play? Teddy, with the new league concussion protocols, I don't know what the status is going to be for either of those guys. It could be Skylar Thompson again. And even though they're home at Hard Rock, they're going up against Kirk Cousins with Skylar Thompson. I think the Vikings win that game. That would be nice to see. Let's get the Dolphins back down to 3-3. Three and three. Let's try to win, get as much separation from that team as we possibly can. And then you got the Patriots, who they're in last place. They've been in last place, but they're still scary, right? Because, like, no, Mac Jones isn't scary, but they put in a guy like Bailey Zappi, who's never really played. He's just getting his first opportunities now while Mac Jones is injured, and it's not even that much of a drop-off. They're just like, yeah, we're not really going to throw the ball too much. We're just going to play good defense, run the ball, take the shots when we have to. It's done through coaching. It's done through using other players, um, mismatches against the team, and they held the Detroit Lions one of the best offenses of the 2022 season, to zero points. 
played in Foxborough, but with Bailey Zappi, that basement Patriots team wins 29-0. to zero. They absolutely are a team to be worried about, not to necessarily win the division or be what they used to be, but a team that, yeah, when we need a win later in this year and we play them two times still, they could definitely beat us. That's the type of game that, even if they're a worse team, they will find ways to win games this year. And uh, with them hanging around there, it just makes me a little bit nervous. This week, they're going to play the 2-3 and three Cleveland Browns at 1 p.m. on CBS. So we'll see. That would be a big win if they could, uh, or a big loss, I guess, if they lose to the Cleveland Browns. That would make everybody feel a little bit better, keep them out of the mix of the wild card and everything. But I said it earlier, when's the last time it was week six and we were, like, paying this much attention to everybody else in the AFC and the AFC East talking about who needs to lose for us to make the playoffs? It's early. We're not at the in-the-hunt graphics point of the season yet. But it's feeling good. It is feeling good. Ooh. Okay, we have to go to the offensive side of the ball. This part was fun. It's always fun talking offense when you score 40 points. Mm-mm-mm. Starting always with the quarterback, Zach Wilson. Talked about it. He's doing what he has to do for the Jets to win. Zero turnovers. Not making a lot of mistakes. And he looks to be processing the offense faster. And processing the defense is faster. He's doing his RPOs better than ever. He looks comfortable. He's not taking a bunch of hits. He's not scrambling around the pocket a ton, not looking to run the ball. He looks in control. Last year, there were a lot of times it was just like, ah, yeah, he looks like a young kid who's just like trying to make it work, running around. Even last week, he looked a little bit more like that. But this week, he's starting to settle himself in. It was nice to see him move around in the pocket like that. He's only been sacked three total times in two games. That's really good. So he doesn't have a lot of rhythm with any specific player yet. That's one of the things that I'm looking to see. With Joe Flacco, we saw a lot of Garrett Wilson. We saw um, a lot of Tyler Conklin. Since Zach Wilson's come in, there's not been like a guy that's been his go-to player. Maybe Corey Davis has gotten the most. Um, We're going to see as the year goes on who he develops that chemistry with, who becomes his go-to target. Could it be Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, Tyler Conklin? Any one of them is fine. Braxton Berrios, one of his best friends who doesn't get a ton of playing time but obviously has some chemistry with him. We're going to see who it ends up being, but no rush right now. As long as the Jets are winning, play within himself, nothing crazy, no big mistakes. Let's see if the team can win because it's a good team. That rushing touchdown took stones. We needed to get a score. He got it. You're looking at 66% completion, feeling pretty good about that, even though it was only 130 yards outside of that brace, Brees Hall catch and run. Um, but... When you're looking at Zach Wilson, like I say a lot of negative things about his overall play because I haven't seen a ton, but when you look at the landscape of the NFL and the quarterbacks that are in it, you look at the old guard, a lot of those players that are starting to really come back down to earth, I'm talking about Tom Brady's, I'm talking for sure about like a Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, these guys aren't what they used to be. Then you look at a lot of the young guys that maybe haven't taken that next step, those Baker Mayfields, those Kyler Murrays that you're like, all right, maybe these guys aren't as good as we thought. Zach Wilson could be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL by default in like a year and a half by just playing decent football. Because when you look at the quarterbacks in the league, there's really not that many good ones right now. And this was not the case like three, four years ago. It was like, holy shoot, this quarterback group of the NFL is loaded with talent all over the place. But now with some guys retiring, some older guys getting worse, some young guys not making the the cut, the turn. Yeah, it doesn't take much to be a top 10 quarterback. You know, think of your list. Think of the top 10 guys. You're not going to be too far off from a Zach Wilson when he plays his best. And there's a lot of room for him to grow and keep getting better. And we are seeing growth from him. 
So it's pretty cool to think about. And if the Jets, obviously, like, if they have a really good team and a fringe top 10 quarterback, regardless of how good it is, if he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league around a great team with a ton of playmakers and pro bowlers and all pros scattered around the offense and defense, they're going to be a competitive playoff team year in, year out, as long as that remains the case. Got to be excited. Talk about the running backs. Fun game there, too, because the Jets ran for five touchdowns. One was Zach Wilson, one was Braxton Berrios, but you had... Brees Hall's breakout game. We all knew it was coming. Brees Hall, offensive player of the game. Holy shit, what a performance. 197 scrimmage yards. That's 100 receiving yards, 97 rushing yards. He leads all rookies in the NFL, all positions, in scrimmage yards. This week he ran for 5.4 yards per carry. Could have easily had three touchdowns as two of them stopped at the one-yard line. Michael Carter bumped those two in. Carter didn't have a great game. 10 carries, 21 yards, two touchdowns. He had a couple catches in this game. I mean, he's a nice nice option, a nice change of pace. Able to get in the end zone, you give it to him on the goal line. Definitely lowers his yards per carry average a little bit when you're rushing from the one-yard line and getting in. But this is all about Brees right now because Brees is doing something that Michael Carter was frankly never able to do, and most running backs in the NFL have never really been able to do. And Michael Carter may have his breakout game coming forward, but to see... Game five after last week, Brees Hall rushes for the game-winning touchdown. And now this week, running, catching, blocking. He is becoming the bell cow, the number one. We didn't know when the big switch was going to happen. You know, start leading a little more Michael Carter out of respect and because we know he can do it at an NFL level. Then work Brees Hall in. This week, Brees Hall gets 20 touches to Michael Carter's 12. And Brees is an absolute offensive rookie of the year candidate. That's nuts to think about. Garrett Wilson a couple weeks ago was like, put his name in the in the hat for potential offensive rookie of the year candidate. Now Brees Hall's right there. We got Sauce as a possible defensive rookie of the year candidate on the other side. This is a fun time to be a Jets fan. What a, ga- what a game for Brees Hall. There was a drive where he got like four carries in a row, totaled 25 yards, was picking up like seven yards, five yards, 10 yards, seven yards, making jumps, stiff arms, not getting tackled. On that 80-yard touchdown, Great blocking by Braxton Berrios to be 60 yards downfield, still trying to fight for extra yardage with Brees Hall. You saw a lot of the Dolphins deflated, not really trying as hard. Brees Hall ripped for like 18 extra yards after contact, just tearing through people. Looked like old Quincy Anunua trying to get to the end zone. He was freaking a yard away before getting taken down, and Michael Carter gets that touchdown. But you see what he was doing, and it's like this is electric play, and these are the types of things that, Zach Wilson can literally play, you know, 130 passing yards and just do one little dump off on a defensive breakdown on a flare pass to Brees Hall. And it goes 80 yards. It's just score points. Boom, just like that. This is a luxury we haven't had in so long. Just points. Just appear out of nowhere. We're on the 20-yard line. All of a sudden, we're getting a touchdown. It's like, wait, what? We didn't have to do a whole sustained drive of hope he doesn't get sacked, hope there's no penalties, hope there's no turnovers. No, just boom, points. Yeah, this is going to be a running back that people are going to want to watch for a long time. And I'm loving to see that the Jets are sometimes running two running back sets, actually. They have Michael Carter and Brees Hall out there at the same time, one blocking, one going out for a pass, maybe one taking the handoff. One guy could be lead blocking, run them two different directions, really separate that defense and open up. A lot of different things they're going to be able to do with these two guys. And one of those best moments of the game, Michael Carter got that touchdown, did the waddle in the end zone after Waddle's got like 27 total yards receiving, and then, Michael Carter's doing the waddle. I said it last week that I didn't want to see Katie doing the waddle on the dance floor. I'm perfectly fine watching 
Michael Carter do the waddle in the Jets' end zone against the Dolphins in a 40-17 route. What a game. Great job for the running backs. Awesome. That was the plethora of our offense. When you look at the wide receivers, that was a really quiet day. Talked about 130 yards outside of Brees Hall's big catch. That's 86 total yards completed to wide receivers in this game. So you're not going to see a ton of production there. Zach Wilson didn't have to rely on them too, too much. Corey Davis led the team with 38 yards. Braxton made his impact felt with a reverse. Always getting that angle, getting that touchdown. Garrett Wilson, quiet day, but he had a really nice play. It was second and 12. He picked up 13 yards, shimmy shaking, getting to the first down marker. That was huge. Elijah Moore had 11 yards. Jeff Smith had his second catch of the year for 11 yards. Kind of a nice play at the time. Zach ended up taking a sack right after that. So potentially if Jeff Smith hadn't made that 11-yard play, if Zach got sacked, could have had a safety, whatever. It wouldn't have happened that way probably. But nice to see Jeff Smith getting involved if he's going to be on the roster. Tight ends, really quiet day there. Three total targets for the tight ends. That's one target for Tyler Conklin, who's been the most targeted tight end and one of the most targeted players in this team. He had no catches. Uzoma got two catches, 12 yards. Eight of them were on a useless, like, third and 12, where the Miami Dolphins lined everybody up at the first down line. We dumped it off to Uzoma. He picks up eight yards. Not a huge play, but he's getting more involved. And Robert Salas said he wants to get Uzoma a little bit more involved in this offense. It's been leaning heavily on Tyler Conklin at the tight end position early this year. Uzoma was a little bit banged up, but they both got big contracts. They're both under contract this year and next year. And Uzoma is kind of like a heart and soul guy for that offense. Big team leader. You see him in the post games. You see him in the Jets win cams. He's an active guy within this team that really wants the Jets to be great and sends the right message and mindset and everything throughout the organization in the locker room. So he's a guy that you do want to see on the field. You just hope to see a little bit more production from him or Tyler Conklin. One of them really needs to get a chemistry, a repertoire with Zach Wilson. We need that security blanket tight end where he feels like, boom, I can just get it down to this guy, and he's going to get it done. Conklin was making way more big plays early in the year, but he also had way more mistakes. Uzama hasn't done all that much yet, but he hasn't given us much reason to think like, oh, you're not doing a great job. So we'll see who kind of rises to the main tight end as the weeks go on. I'm sure they're both going to get some play time. Probably going to lean Conklin unless he has more mistakes, but we will see both of them. Then you look at the offensive line, and this was possibly our best pairing of offensive line players this year, and it's crazy because it's one we haven't even done yet. It's Dwayne Brown playing at left tackle for the first time. It's ABT moved to right tackle playing there for the first time. Tomlinson, McGovern still at that left guard and center position. And then Nate Herbig, who is basically proving to be, the Jets are basically saying it's better to have Nate Herbig play guard and Elijah Vera Tucker try to play tackle for the first time than have Elijah Vera Tucker play his drafted position of guard and put Connor McDermott or Grant Hermans or Mike Remmers or one of those guys at tackle. Maybe one of the guys that was just picked up, like a Mike Remmers, will eventually move in if he gets acclimated and up to speed, and Elijah Vera Tucker will go back to guard. But it shows you what the Jets think of Herbig to think like, you know, the issue here, we can figure out tackle with ABT. We have a good guard. We want to put him in. Let's get him on the field. Really nice to see that pairing. These guys were playing well. I don't worry about the PFF grades of this group unless uh, unless they're in my favor and they say what I want them to say because I saw a good group. Jets team only get sacked two times, score five rushing touchdowns, 4.1 yards per rush, and you can't say enough about ABT. This guy, my dad said it, zero pressure, zero sacks, zero penalties. How in the world can he do it? I don't know. He could be Offensive Player of the Week every single week if he has performances like this. You just, Brees Hall, I mean, this is one for the ages. 
we got to give it to him there. So really nice play from the offensive line. It's a hodgepodge group of dudes. No chemistry of Dwayne Brown next to Tomlinson. No chemistry of Elijah Vera Tucker next to Herbig. But they're making it work. And they're getting through these games and they're winning them. Zach Wilson's not getting beat up. and He's not flustered. He's not pressured a ton. Yeah, feeling good about that. So that is the offensive side of the ball for the Jets in their 40-17 to win against the Dolphins. Now, before we go over to the defensive side of the ball, we do have to take a quick pit stop at the cooler for a little what's on tap. That is right, folks. This is what's on tap. And today, I got a special beer picked up by the wife, Mrs. Shannon. She went up to Maine with her folks this past weekend as I went camping with some of the boys. And while she was up there, she went to my favorite brewery, Bissell Brothers, which is where my favorite brewery brew, my favorite beer, Swish, is brewed. Uh, She went up there. They didn't have Swish on tap or in cans, but they had some other stuff. And this one was a one-of-one. I think they were only selling one at a time. It's a, a rotating beer from like a Sours series. It's called Something of Ourselves. I've not had anything from this series before, but it's a sour ale with pomegranate and thyme. It's kind of interesting. It's 4.5% alcohol. One pint. Cool can. Love Bissell Bros. Love sours. Don't get a ton of them. I won't be able to have any more of these because I only got the one can, but it's good. I like the thyme flavor. I like the pomegranate. It's just, I like sours. This one is so sour. It's kind of an issue for this podcast because every single time I take a sip, it's just activating my salivary glands like crazy. You know how sours do that? And it's like this, this strong pinch like below my temples or below my earlobes in my weird neck area. And then just so much saliva being created in my mouth and it's hard to take a sip and then continue podcasting. So it's like not a great podcast brew, but a good drink for sure. If you're drinking just one can, not something you'd want to just like put your glands through for, you know, an entire afternoon of drinking, but one, sipping on it, recording a podcast for an hour on a Victory Monday, Victory Tuesday, I guess, technically, then, uh, yeah, it hits the spot. So something of ourselves, thank you to the wife, beautiful sour ale from the wonderful Bissell Brothers. That is this week's What's on Tap. Now, before defense, we got to do a quick commercial break. Alrighty, and welcome back to This is the Jet Life. We are going to talk defensive side of the ball in the Jets' blowout win, 40-17 to against the Dolphins. What a day. The defense played really well. They played Tyreek and Waddle extremely well. Gesicki only had one catch, and the Dolphins ran on us. Yeah, but that's what we wanted. The goal of this game was to stop two wide receivers, make them run, and if we can beat them with our offense and make them run the ball not pick up touchdowns or easy points, then life is going to be good. And the Jets did it. Got to feel good about how they held the Dolphins to 17 points in this one, even though it was Skylar Thompson. And we're going to start with the defensive line. This was the best defensive line performance we've seen all year. We took advantage of a rookie quarterback who's never had game action, came from Kansas State, played well in the preseason in the late quarters, kind of like a Chris Streveler type of guy for them, but never in a position like this. He wasn't game planning to start. He came in after the very first snap of the game. And, you know, 32 pressures on 36 dropbacks. They only got two two sacks, but they hit him 16 times. They hit him 15 times and Teddy once. Um, he was pressured on almost every play, and it, it made its impact felt. 
right? Quinn Williams had half a sack. Keep in mind, this guy's got at least half a sack in each of the last four games. He had two quarterback hits. John Franklin Myers, he got the other half of that sack. He also had five quarterback hits. And at one point, one of those quarterback hits actually dislodged the ball a little bit and caused uh, the fluttering pass that was intercepted by Sauce Gardner. So huge impact there that doesn't really show up in the stat sheets. Carl Lawson had seven quarterback hits. He had a full sack. He's up to two and a half on the year. He had that big forced fumble. And, folks, seven quarterback hits, that's the most quarterback hits by any Jets player in a game since 1970. And considering some of the defensive linemen that we've had and pass rushers, that's incredible. What a game from Carl Lawson, a guy that it's only two and a half sacks. It's been kind of a quiet year for him. But you see a performance like this that, you know, it doesn't, it's not a jarring stat sheet of like, wow, he had three, four sacks, but like what he did on the field, it can't be discounted. It was an incredible performance. Um, he had that sack, and Quinn Williams actually picked up the fumble that he caused and stiff-armed Tyreek Hill to the ground. Oh, my gosh, what a moment that was to see Quinn Williams pick up the fumble recovery and then start running towards the end zone like 10 yards out, and Tyreek Hill trying to jump on him just pushes him down. He's going to win Good Morning Football's angry run of the week, get the scepter, look out for that. It was a, a very, very cool moment to see Tax Boy go down, to see Quinn Williams have his big moment when the Jets were absolutely dominating the Dolphins. Feeling good, looking good, that defensive line. I'm even impressed with Quinnen's backup, Rankins. I think Rankins is having an improved year this year. I wasn't as down on him last year as everybody else was, but I wasn't, like, super stoked on him coming into this year. Thought maybe it was an area we could find improvements, but Rankins is playing well. He's making uh, he's making an impact in each game. We got some pressures from Bryce Huff and Jacob Martin on minimal snaps in this game. Even Clemens and Shepard got pressures. Jermaine Johnson, he had a quiet game, got an ankle injury. We're going to wait to hear more information. Doesn't sound like it's going to be too serious, but we're going to see. We don't want him to go down because he's one of those other young rookies that could be dynamic. We're waiting for his breakout game where he's got like two sacks and a forced fumble, and we're just like, oh, my God, and here's another one. Because he's looking like he's going to be a good, legitimate NFL player, and it's just a matter of time before he has it, and then we're all just drooling over this draft class even more than we already are. So great defensive line performance, best game of the year from them. You look at the linebackers. We're still playing without Quincy Williams, who hasn't returned to the field yet, but we got CJ and Quan leading the pack. We had 20 tackles between them, 10 tackles for each of them. CJ Mosley is, like, not given enough credit. Even though right now, with these 10 tackles he got in this game, he's currently fourth in the NFL in total tackles, so not a huge stat. It's just kind of a counting thing, and it's total tackles and includes assists, but he is fourth in the league in tackles. But this guy is so much more than just a linebacker who tackles well and plays the game right. He is the heart and soul of the defense. He is our captain. And there are so many players in this team that I feel like you could potentially take out for a game or two and put their replacement in, and it would be like a drop-off, sure, but the Jets would be able to get through it. C.J. Mosley is one of those guys that I don't think we could. He's got to be on the field. He's our defensive captain. He's our defensive play caller, a coach out there. He sets the tempo. He did our post-game speech to the team after the win. I mean, he is the guy that they look up to, and I don't know if he always knows exactly what's going on or not. He probably does, but, like, there's no way to tell that his confidence ever wavers when he's out there. And those guys believe him, and they rally behind him, and he helps run this whole freaking defense from the middle there, tackling really well. So when you look at his PFF grades or anybody saying, like, oh, C.J. Mosley's not what he was. They're paying him so much money. Get out of here. This guy is worth his weight in gold. He is absolutely so important to this defense, holding the whole thing together. He's the lifeblood of it all. 
And you look at Quan, he had 10 tackles himself. He had some big plays, a nice fourth down tackle for a loss, playing with speed and violence. Love to see that from Quan. I don't see a huge downgrade from Quan to Quincy, vice versa. The thing is, when you take Quincy out, you move Quan over to Quincy's spot, and then you bring Marcel Harris in. He's playing minimal snaps. He's nowhere near as good as the other two, but, you know, he can get out there, and he's not a huge liability. In this game, instead of doing three linebackers, they elected to do a lot of nickel cornerback instead with that extra guy, and Michael Carter got a lot of snaps, so not a ton of Marcel Harris, but he did play a little bit. So, decent game for the linebackers. Looking at the cornerbacks, oh, baby, these boys. And I don't want to talk about the penalties because a lot of those were bogus. Sauce Gardner was defensive player of the game, obviously. The very first play, you know, the Jets have the ball first. They end up having to punt it. They got a beautiful punt inside the five-yard line. It's the very first defensive snap for the Jets, and it's Teddy Bridgewater on the field. And the Jets need to kind of set the tempo of the game. They need to establish themselves. And so Ulbrich dials up a cornerback blitz. Sauce Gardner, from my recollection, his first blitz of the season Coming off the edge, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't know he's coming, and he comes in like a heat-seeking missile. Perfect angle, right at him, hits him perfectly square, totally clean hit, knocks Teddy Bridgewater out of the game with a concussion on the hit, and Teddy Bridgewater, instead of taking the safety and the sack in the end zone, elects to throw the ball to an area that probably could have been called a legal pass towards Durham Smythe, but it was so close to the line of scrimmage, it was really hard to tell. In the end, it was ruled a safety very first defensive player of the game, and Sauce Gardner scores two points for the team. It was just such a moment that, like, and then you see Sauce doing the celebration, and you're just like, holy shoot, this team is alive right now, and he's one of those guys that we want to see leading the charge. Like, this is about to be a good day. And it did not disappoint from that point out. Sauce Gardner, when John Franklin Myers had that tip pass, got his first interception of his career. That was awesome. This was his coming out party himself. I know he's had amazing games. He had those Darrell Rivas-like performances against some guys like Jamar Chase and Mark Andrews just playing great coverage. But in this game against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, a whole nother level, those two players, Waddell and Tyreek Hill, had 70 yards between the two of them. 47 for Hill, 23 for Waddell. They were, in all respects, shut down. They had over 800 combined yards through four games. That's 200 yards per game between those two guys. They give up 70, and there were a couple penalties. DJ Reed had one. I think Sauce had one. Michael Carter, too, had one. That was the big chunk of the offense they were picking up. But in reality, what good coverage. Nobody getting burned by them. They're only getting those penalties because they're right on those guys, like white on rice. They are covering them tight. And if you want to throw a flag every once in a while... Whatever, at least our boys are there. We also limited, you know, Tyreek Hill in the running game. He tried to get a couple things going on the ground. They just did a really good job of stifling that as well. Some really scary potential plays didn't end up happening. Love to see what we saw. Michael Carter, he's playing at a very high level. He had two nice pass deflections, and he is... It's funny because we've actually had, like, really good nickel cornerbacks for the last five, six years. I liked Buster Screen well enough. I liked Javelin Guidry well enough. Michael Carter, too, comes in. He's the best of all of them. He is a guy that can just get in there. He can make pass deflections. He tackles when he has to. He's reliable. He's quick. I like the guy a lot. He's a very good nickel cornerback. I like to see him on the field. Good game from him. Moving to the safeties, a nice quiet game, right? The big worry going in was the deep balls, Tyreek Hill and Waddle trying to go deep on us. They got nothing deep. The only thing was those penalties caused uh, against the cornerbacks. Whitehead had a nice tackle for a loss. He was third in the team in tackles behind only Quan Alexander and Quincy Williams. Marcus Joyner, very quiet game from him, but you got to be happy when you're playing against a team like this. Wide receivers like that, downfield threats. They're not getting there. Good with me. 
Good game from the safeties. No big miscommunications. And since we had that news that the defensive backs met and DJ Reed said, like, they all talked about kind of the miscommunications and they solved their problem and they realized what was going on and why guys were getting deep, beat deep. Um, since that, the last two games, it hasn't really happened. So you wonder, is it just a coincidence because we played Kenny Pickett, Trubisky, and Skylar Thompson? Or is it like, no, they really had a, like, holy moly moment where they all just sat there like, oh, my gosh, I get it now. This is what we have to do. And then the switch is flipped. I hope that's the case. That would be awesome. So that is our defense. Defensive player of the game, obviously, Sauce Gardner, a star in the making. What a cool dude. You know, even ESPN refers to his name as Sauce. I feel like that's kind of like his name is Ahmad Gardner. It's interesting that they chose to put him as Sauce as his actual first name in this. They don't even mention the name Ahmad anywhere on his page. So I guess it's sticking. Moving over to the special teams. Braxton Barrios had a really nice, uh, that post-safety punt return, 42 yards. or It was like a kick return, but the guy punts it after the safety. 42 yards there, that right after that sauce play, Barrios has that, and we are just feeling like, this is our game. The Jets are here, baby. And that's when it all started, and that was so early on in the game, and then it just stayed up at that level for the entire thing, with the exception of like a small little late third quarter run that the Miami Dolphins kind of made us feel like, oh my God, are we about to blow this thing? Went for it on fourth and one from the midfield. Didn't get it. Then they get a 54-yard field goal opportunity to take the lead in the fourth quarter. And we're like, eh. Other than that, it was a party, and the Jets were rocking. Braxton Berrio starting it off on that special team's punt return, kick return thing. 42 yards. Beautiful. He didn't have any punt returns in this game. Quiet game otherwise for him. Greg Zerline, he made a 34-yard field goal and all five extra points. That's right. Five touchdowns for the Jets. Five extra point drives. He made them all. And I gave him a lot of grief in the first week of the season because he missed a kick, and it was like, we're right back in the thick of it again where we were in freaking kicker purgatory where we can't find a guy. But do you know right now Greg Zerline is kicking 88.9% on field goals? I say my bench is like 80%. If you're over 80%, I'm happy with your kicking. If you're under 80%, I'm not happy. That's like the rule of thumb. Obviously, I want you to make your big kicks. I want you to hit those game winners. Those are more important than a random kick when you're down by 25 but he's doing well. 88.9%. No complaints with Greg Zerline at this point in the season right now. Braden Mann is the special teams player of the game because he had two beauties of a punt, both inside of the 10-yard line, and one of them set up that safety, basically a two-point punt because Ahmad Gardner was able to force the safety right after that. That was big time. He had another really nice one to the two-yard line that was picked up by none other than Brandon Eccles, a guy that was, you know, last year, one of our starters, him and Bryce Hall, were our two guys that are like, hey, these two guys are pretty good. We'll see who's going to end up being one of the starters. And now it's like, we don't really even have to play them. And if we do, it's not that bad. If a guy goes down, if a sauce or a or a Reed misses a game or two, obviously we don't want that at all. But if they miss a game or two and it's those guys, that's pretty good depth at that position. Brandon Eccles making that nice special teams play. You'll love to see it. And that's what we got for the special teams, offense, and defense. Brace Hall, Sauce Gardner, Braden, man, those are your three stars of the game. Feeling great about it. And that leaves us with just one more order of business. A Green Bay Packers preview. The big one coming up. 1 p.m. in Lambeau versus Aaron Rodgers and the 3-2 and two Packers. This game is going to be on Fox. Not sure of the announcers at this point in time. 
We're going to start getting better teams calling our games. They pick the teams like, I don't know, a couple of five days before the game happens. It's possible we'll get the number one team there. Greg Olson and uh, is it Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, I think, is the Fox number one team. It's possible that we would get that. Um, it's been a lot of, like, Sparrow Didis and Solomon Wilcots and, and Adam Archuleta and just, like, bad Chris Spielman. Like, what are we listening to on Football Sundays? And the Jets are losing, and you're listening, and you're just like, oh, the refs suck, and the commentators suck, and this is a miserable experience. And we still love it because it's Jets football, but we hate it. And now it's like we're going to start seeing some of those Tony Romo games, some of those Greg Olson games. It's going to be a little bit more fun for the Jets as we start getting some better announcers. The team gets better. Very cool. So we'll see what the teams are for that. The Jets opened this game up as seven-point underdogs, so still not getting any respect. They've won more than half their games. They have been projected to win in none of them. So we'll see when eventually Vegas and everybody catches up to how good this team really is. Packers are coming off a 22-27 to loss to the New York Giants in London. So in one respect, you're like, all right, that's a good thing because that means if the Packers can lose to the Giants, I know the Giants are playing well this year, but if they can lose to the Giants, they probably could lose potentially to the Jets. On the other side, it's like if they lost to the Giants, they're going to be pissed off and probably try to come at the Jets extra hard. Aaron Rodgers is not one to uh, take games like that lightly. So we'll see what we're going to get. Um, the Giants are 4-1 and one now. I think we should take a quick timeout just to talk about New York sports. want to apologize to all Mets fans. I'm sorry that that season happened. We've been Jets fans for a long time, so we know what it feels like. I'm not specifically a Mets fan, but I feel for you for sure, and I'm always rooting for the Mets. My dad's a Mets fan. Some of my best friends are Mets fans, and uh, that was a real, a real bummer that they have such a great season get there, and it goes down like that. My team, New York Yankees, starting their series tonight against the Cleveland Guardians. We'll see if Aaron Judge's incredible historic season can just be capped off with a, a World Series victory or at least a really, really nice playoff performance from him and from the team. It would be awesome to see see what happens there. So very cool to see New York sports doing well. Giants 4-1, and one, the Jets 3-2. and two. Football's feeling really good for New York. If you feel like including Buffalo in that mix, which I don't, Buffalo's more Canada than New York, um, then, yeah, they're doing really well too. Hockey starts tonight. The New York Rangers, baby. That's my team. They're coming back. Let's see what they can do. Get the season off on the right foot. They were one of the best teams in the league last year. See if they can pick up where they left off. They're one of those teams that's kind of like being built the right way with a lot of young guys. Did a big turnover. Signed a couple really nice free agents. Kept a few of their own. Traded for draft picks. Drafted some good players. And they're seeing the fruits of their labor come true. And that's kind of where the Jets are right now. So a spicy team starting up there. The Knicks will be starting up next week. It's a... A fun time for sports, but so many years at this point, I'm, like, ready to switch to, like, all right, well, let's put my energy into the Knicks basket or the Rangers basket or the Yukon Huskies basket or something, which is going to start up soon as well. But this year, I don't really have to. It's, like, I actually kind of wish that those sports would slow down. Like, all right, I don't need playoff baseball right now. I don't need the Rangers to start tonight. I'm, like, so preoccupied with Jets football and press conferences and watching content on the Jets and anything I can freaking find on this team right now that – I'm content-filled. New York sports is cool at this point in time. I think it's worth noting that Boston sports sucks at this point in time. Boston Celtics head coach out for the year. Fun to see. Bruins not projected to be a top-10 team in the power rankings. Red Sox blew it. Patriots last place. If you care about that sort of thing. I don't. 
kidding. I totally do. Um, talking about the Packers here, going back to that game. So the Packers are coming off that loss to the Giants in London. They're going to be fired up. Aaron Rodgers trying to win. That's a well-coached team. Matt LaFleur, brother of Mike LaFleur, our offensive coordinator, and best friend of Robert Sala, makes this kind of a cool little matchup between good coaches. This is Matt LaFleur's offense, not really an offensive coordinator on this team. Defensive coordinator is Joe Barry. He was hired last year. This is his second year at the team. Special teams coach, Rich Basaccia. You remember remember him as being the interim head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders when they fired Gruden. He did a good job. Didn't end up getting the long-term job as they went to McDaniels. Basaccia was hired to be part of a great organization in the Green Bay Packers. Special teams coach there. So that's a good coaching staff. The team's coaching staff and player pool overall has a lot of veteran leadership. So that's kind of one of those things that for a really young team like the Jets with a lot of young coaches, a lot of young players, going up against a team that's seen it all, playing at home, pissed off about a loss from last week, you get a little bit nervous. But if the Jets are anything like we're hoping they are, they're going to hang in this game. When you look at the Packers' offense, it starts with Aaron Rodgers. I'd say, and I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan from his play side, I think he's maybe the most talented quarterback I've ever seen play. He looks to be slowing down just a little bit. He's still one of the best, but without Devontae Adams, their wide receiver group took a huge step back. They're still trying to find their guy. Alan Lazard was potentially going to be it. I didn't really think he ever really fit the mold of like a Devontae Adams. He's nowhere near that good, and he hasn't really taken over yet. Randall Cobb is an Aaron Rodgers' favorite target, but he's 32 years old and not a super big threat at this point in his career. They got two young guys. Romeo Dobbs is getting more snaps starting with the team. Um, getting decent run, getting some passes, but he's been inconsistent, dropped some big balls. Christian Watson, a guy that we were looking at as potentially drafting to the Jets as a wide receiver, he was drafted this year as well, but he's a step behind Romeo Dobbs in terms of his progression. He hasn't really found his way yet. Had more bad than good. Sammy Watkins is on IR. So when you look at like that wide receiver group, it's like that's nothing that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed can't keep up with. It's just whether or not Aaron Rodgers evades pressure and makes perfect throws. If he can cut up that zone defense, you know, that's what worries you. Yeah, we were able to stop Skylar Thompson, Jacoby Brissett, Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. But this is a whole other animal. He also likes to use his tight end, Robert Tanyan. That's a big target for Rodgers. He's not like a super athletic freak tight end, but he's a good, reliable guy. Aaron Rodgers uses as a security blanket. And then they still have Mercedes Lewis, that old guy, catches touchdowns in the red zone because he's huge. Got to watch out for him. Their offensive line's not perfect. It's led by their two tackles, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Aaron Rodgers, at the end of the day, gets rid of the ball really quick, sees pressure really well, moves well in the pocket, can deliver from all sorts of different arm angles. So even if the offensive line is taking a step back, specifically in the middle of the offensive line, it's not a huge deal for him. It just potentially could affect his running game, I guess. But when you look at the running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they're both good backs. They're both having good years. Aaron Jones specifically, he's a do-it-all running back. 6.4 yards per carry so far on 61 carries for Aaron Jones. Two more carries for A.J. Dillon at 63. He's at 3.9 yards per carry. A little bit more of like a rough and rumbling back. But that two, two-headed two monster, even splits, we're going to see a lot of them. And we're going to see some dump-offs too, Aaron Jones. And... Hopefully we can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and hopefully when we do, we can take him down and not just give him an opportunity to extend a play, throw from an off-platform angle, hit one of these receivers downfield because it's like a five-second play now and it's hard to cover for that long. That's what you worry about. If we can get after him early and often, 
like we did against the Miami Dolphins offensive line, we're going to be in good shape. We also got to make sure that Aaron Jones isn't running for over six yards per carry, of course. But I think if the Jets can hold those guys in check a little bit, get a little bit of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, it could be a tough day for him. I don't think that this is too powerful of an offense. I think in the past, an Aaron Rodgers-led offense could be with Devontae Adams specifically and some of the guys they had, like, yeah, really scary. But with their ambiguity at the wide receiver position, their tight ends coming on and and kind of like having some issues within that offensive line and Aaron Rodgers being a little bit older and I don't know. I don't know. It's it's an interesting matchup for sure. And we're playing in Lambeau, so that makes it a little bit more complicated, but it's going to be fun if the Jets can win this freaking game. Oh, man. Looking at the defense, the Packers' defense is very strong. Defensive line, not amazing, but Kenny Clark in the middle, very, very good player. He kind of leads that defensive line. They got two good pass-rushing linebackers. Preston Smith, he's got three and a half sacks. Rashawn Gary, he's got five. So Gary's the younger guy that's going to be getting after us often. Got to watch out for him, of course. I trust our offensive line and the, the moves it's made recently, specifically with, like, Dwayne Brown and ABT playing tackles. I'm comfortable keeping it exactly how it was last week, and I would feel good going up against those guys, even though it's a good year for Gary so far. In the middle of their linebackers, they got Devondre Campbell. He's kind of like their C.J. Mosley. He's gotten really good really fast. He's their anchor. Nice player. Got to watch out for him, of course, in the running game. And that's secondary. It's a really good secondary. Cornerback Jair Alexander is one of the best. They got two other guys. Young guy Eric Stokes, older guy Roswell Douglas. They make plays, too. They got two veteran safeties in Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. Not super prone to mistakes. It's going to be a, a difficult... It's going to be a difficult defense to get a lot of passing yards on. I don't think it can be a game that we rely on Zach Wilson. I don't think it should be. I don't think it will be. I think it's going to be a game that we have to establish the run. We have to get Brees Hall going just like he was last week. If he's struggling and they're trying to like just hand it to Brees Hall and hope that he's going to carry the whole team and he's getting stopped on first and second down for one, two-yard gains, it's going to be a tough day. You're going to put Zach Wilson in third and sixes early, many times within the drive. It's not going to result in a lot of points. But if they can find a good push in that offensive line and push that defensive line of the Packers, get Brees Hall moving upfield, maybe do some trickeration, some running back passes, some Braxton Berrios, maybe some bubble screens, get it in guys like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore's hands. I don't think there's any reason to think the Jets can't do well enough on defense, do well enough on offense to come out with a decent result in this one. Look at the Packers' special teams. Kicker Mason Crosby is like old as dirt. Guy hasn't missed a field goal or extra point all season. There were points last year he was kicking so badly, I thought he was definitely on his way out, never going to kick again in the NFL. Now he's not missed all year. All right, good for him. Punter Pat O'Donnell, not a household name. By any stretch of the means, that's just their punter. Um, But overall, when you look at this, it's a veteran team. They typically, over the years, with this similar sort of unit, beat up on lower competition. They're still finding their way this year with no, like, real established pass catchers. And they think they can crush the Jets right now. Vegas thinks they can crush the Jets. Seven-point favorites. Aaron Rodgers thinks he's going to beat the Jets this week. This is our best litmus test because they aren't really bad at anything. They're not bad at running the ball. They're not bad at throwing the ball. They're not poorly coached. They're not bad at run defense, pass defense, special teams. Like, this is just a good team. The guys have been there. And early in the year, I thought the Browns was the best litmus test because they're not a great team, but they have some talent. Jets aren't a great team with some talent. We ended up winning that game. Now you're looking at it like, you know what? The Browns aren't a great litmus test. We're just better than they are. The Packers are a good litmus test because they're potentially a top 10 team in the league, and that's what we're hoping to be. 
Jets fan Dan Hansis does the power rankings for the NFL Network, has the Jets at 16 or 17 right now. That's middle of the pack, baby. That's one of the middle teams of the league. Something we haven't said in a long time. And if they beat the Packers, they're going to be higher than that. So what is my prediction in this game against this well-coached Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team in Lambeau? I think the Jets keep pounding the rock, and the defensive line keeps the momentum, making Aaron Rodgers' day very difficult. Zach Wilson manages the game, limits big mistakes, and lets the playmakers do the heavy lifting yet again. Great special teams play gives the Jets the edge, and the Jets win 26-20, to and it's going to be culminated in an Aaron Rodgers very strange post-game press conference that we'll all be like, man, we don't know what's going on in Green Bay. The Jets are hot, and the Packers are worried. I'm stoked for this game. My dad's stoked for this game. We're going to get a big old cheese assortment because we're playing Green Bay. It's going to be a lot of fun. If the Jets can pull it off, it's going to be even more fun. This podcast next week is going to be absolutely awesome. It may potentially be a video podcast. Um, I'll have to talk to Paycheck, see what the scoop is there. If it is a video podcast, they take a little bit longer to come out. Uh, We've toyed with the idea of recording them on Mondays so that they come out a little bit earlier, but I hate recording on Mondays because I need more time to digest the game. I'm like in no real cognitive position to be doing analysis on Sunday night after a Jets win specifically, or a loss really, just not cognitively there. And then I have Monday to do all of my analysis, watch the game again, all that. If I record on Monday, I don't have an opportunity to do all that. I think the product is worse. This is a more analytical style podcast that I don't really want to just be, you know, uh, this is what I thought about the game. I'm pissed off. I want to be more like, well, this is what we saw. These are the groups. These are the players. I got to watch it again. So we talk about doing it on Tuesdays, but then because of the amount of time it takes to actually get the video up, do all the editing on that side, that's a her thing. I don't pretend to know anything about how to do any of that, but um, it takes a little bit longer than the podcast to come up potentially Wednesday instead of Tuesday, maybe even Thursday, which I know makes it kind of like, you know, the podcast is really only relevant for like five days before the next game. After the game happens, nobody cares anymore. Even after like Thursday, it's like Thursday night football's on, we're on to a new week. You really want to listen to this podcast on like Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, maybe Thursday morning. That's when it's got its most run. So we'll see what happens with that. We're kind of toying with the scheduling and, and how it's going to work. But my expectation is that we're going to do at least a few more video podcasts this year because um, I think they're fun. I think it's cool to do, and I, I enjoy doing them, and so does Paycheck. Plus, the Jets are, like, fun this year, so always cool to just bring the podcast information out in a new way. But other than that, follow me in the meantime on Jets, at Jets underscore Dan on Twitter. Like this podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, it's, this is the this is the Jet Life series title on Gang Green Nation podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, follow me on YouTube. Subscribe to that. All good stuff. Let's go Jets three and two. By the next time I record this podcast, it is very possible the Jets beat the Packers. It is very possible the Bills lose to the Chiefs. It's very possible the Jets are in first place in the AFC East. And if that happens, I don't know. I'll do something crazy. Haven't planned it yet. Who knows. Maybe we'll do just like a bunch of shots for what's on tap. Maybe we'll, uh, I don't know, a special beer, a special cocktail. God, this guy's the limit. So exciting. What a fun time to be a Jets fan. I hope it doesn't end anytime soon because I am loving this ride. That's all I got for you today. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 